there's a phrase that we've often used throughout Reboot to describe the work of self-actualization, but then also the need for community in doing that work. So we often talk about this is work, it's individual work that we can't do alone. And that's where I think peer groups can uh, really shine. It's the, the individual work of self-actualization, you know, like what Jerry talks about in his book, the, the art of growing up, uh, the art of understanding our personal histories and the patterns that have been present, some that have served us and many of which uh, have ceased to serve us. That kind of work we have to do individually, and yet we need to do it in community. We need the safety, the support, the mirroring of blind spots, all the things that are provided by a trusted group of peers. And so um, it's not for so that those peers can tell us what to do or solve our problems for us, but to create the conditions that will allow us to discover those things on our own. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. This is a different kind of podcast for a different time. And for a different kind of podcast, I wanted to have a different kind of intro. So I'm going to start things off with a quote from one of our beloved teachers, Parker Palmer. In leading up to this quote, he's talking about the challenge of living out our wholeness in our personal and professional lives and to really face the complexities of what it means to lead. He says, we cannot embrace the challenge all alone, at least not for long. We need trustworthy relationships, tenacious communities of support if we are to sustain the journey to an undivided life. The journey has solitary passages, to be sure, and yet it is simply too arduous to take without the assistance of others. And because we have such a vast capacity for self-delusion, we will inevitably get lost en route without correctives from outside ourselves. That kind of community, one that knows how to welcome the soul and to help us hear its voice, I call a circle of trust. Now I can say with certainty that my ability to survive some incredibly hard times in my life, my ability to grow and thrive amidst even some incredibly hard times in my life is due in large part to having my own circles of trust. And one of the key mandates we had when we started Reboot was to create communities of trust, safety, and growth. And over the last four years, Reboot has learned a tremendous amount on how to create these safe and supportive communities and to do it virtually. And given the time of great uncertainty and fear we all find ourselves in, in a time where we're actually forced to be virtual, it feels appropriate to share what we've learned with all of you. So today, we are happy to begin our process of sharing with you all what we've learned on our journey to create these supportive circles of trust. And hopefully, we'll provide some of you with the tools and inspiration to seek or create your own circles of trust. Be sure to follow our blog and our newsletter for more tools and information. And please reach out to us if we can be helpful. Now enjoy this conversation on creating circles of trust. Are you looking to stay up to date on all things Reboot? Join our mailing list to receive updates on the podcast, including our most recent episodes, corresponding blog posts, and updates on exclusive Reboot services and events. Head to Reboot.io slash sign up. Well, welcome to the Reboot podcast. We have a little different episode and conversation for you today. We're really excited about what we're going to be discussing. We're going to be talking about peer groups and how you might start or create your own peer group. When we launched Reboot way back when, we had a vision to create supportive spaces for our community, a space where peers could come together to be heard, to be supported, to be encouraged in their own growth, in their own journey. And for Reboot, initially when we started it, we wanted to extend the experience our participants had in our boot camps, a space where they all came together in person, developed these really rich connections, but then would scatter again across the country. And we wanted to create a space where they could stay connected and stay connected to that experience. So we launched our groups virtually initially. And for me, 
when we launched Reboot and thought about peer groups, it was actually really personal. When I uh, look back to my early college years, mid, mid-college years, and had started a business and just happened to create a small little peer group that uh, was with other entrepreneurs in the area. And we came together to learn about business and to support one another's businesses. But what actually ended up happening for me was they were there for me when my mom got sick and when my mom died. And so I learned firsthand what it was like to be supported by peers, how important it was to have a space you could turn to, to be heard, to be felt, to be seen. So when we had the chance to create something in Reboot, I couldn't pass it up. And we spent the last four years experimenting, refining our process to create these safe, trusted virtual spaces. And in a crazy time like this, we could all use a space to turn to. So what we're doing today is actually sharing with all of you all that we've learned and all that you might need to create your own space, whether that be with your team or with your community or with your peers, with your family. And actually, we've been in the process long before all the craziness happened of capturing all of our lessons and putting it in a document to release to the world because we want to see more of this work in the world. So we are here today to share what we've learned with you. And I'm really excited to welcome some of our best Reboot Circle creators and facilitators that are sitting here with me. So I'm happy to introduce Carl, Chris, and Andy. And why don't you guys uh, say a word or two and introduce yourselves? Carl, why don't you start us? All right. Um, well, I'm Carl Bachelieri. I started with Reboot um, doing these circles about two and a half years ago. And it was a life-changing experience for me. I think partly stepping into the Reboot way of really inviting authenticity and understanding that my authenticity as a facilitator is the prerequisite for creating the kind of authenticity in the circle that's needed. So I work as a executive coach individually, and I host these circles for Reboot and, and beyond. Thanks for being here, Carl. Andy. Hi, my name is Andy Chrisinger. I'm the director of coaching at Reboot. And my first role at Reboot, um, joined shortly after the company was founded, uh, was to help uh, partner with Dan in designing what would become uh, ultimately our Circles uh, program. And prior to becoming a coach and finding my way into the world of tech startups, uh, I was in ministry. And one of my roles in pastoral ministry for a number of years was um, supporting, creating, and training leaders of small groups within um, a faith-based context. And so I've thought a lot about peer groups and their benefit in a lot of different contexts, both professional and um, religious, spiritual contexts, and um, believe very much in the power of small group support in um, helping people in a number of different ways. Yeah, thank you, Andy. Chris. Yeah, my name is Chris Vandenbrink, and I'm a, a coach and a facilitator at Reboot and have also been running the Circles program that we're going to be talking about today. And when I came in about three and a half, four years ago, I started working with Dan and Andy, who had created this really amazing product, this really amazing experience called Circles that was already up and running. And I, I took my experience in architecture and creating really safe spaces for people to live and work and and have shepherded it. I don't think of it as uh, additional building, but as shepherding kind of this this way of being with other people and have learned a lot. And I'm really excited about being here today. So why don't we start at the start at the top? What is a peer group really? Yeah, such a good question. And I'm just going to underline and add a word here, which is at the core of what Reboot is, which is coaching. So there's peer groups and there's peer coaching groups. And a peer coaching group, which is what we would kind of think of when we're thinking of circles, is an intentional learning experience, bringing together people who are wanting to move in a direction in their work and life, right? And often to a different direction that is more in alignment with who they are at their core, right? And in it, we're leveraging the power of peerness. And when you think of the word peer or peerness, what we're, what we're talking about is people who have a certain 
likeness or sameness that is important to them, right? So perhaps they're, they're all entrepreneurs who understand the challenges of what it means to start your own company with your own idea, right? And in that likeness and sameness, there's a, a shared experience that perhaps not everyone else understands. And then there's another part to this, which is the coaching aspect. And the coaching aspect stands in contrast to other types of modalities of support. One that um, I'm just going to name right now is problem solving, right? Problem solving is a huge part of a lot of different modalities. And some that you might think of are mastermind groups or even teaching groups in which there is an expert or someone who has the answer to the problem outside of yourself. And coaching starts from a slightly different standpoint, which is that the answer is not outside of ourselves, but it's actually within ourselves. And from that assumption, a coaching engagement is one in which we leverage skills like listening and curiosity in order to help the person that we're there in support of find their own answer. And so when we combine these two words, the peer and the coaching, what we're left with is a group of people who understand each other's challenges that aren't there to fix or solve anybody or anything, but to really lean into deep listening, creating trust and rapport to help others in the group find their own answers and in turn to be helped. Uh, Carl and I were uh, together in a circle earlier today. And in a time like this, there are no answers. It's, <laughs> it's nothing but uncertainty and questions. But just the, the, the space to be together, and I think the word that was used was community, just to be together in community, in community in our sense of humanity. We, we're all humans in this time of uncertainty and just feels good to be together. There's no problems to solve because they're not, we can't solve the problems we're facing, but we can be together. There's, there's just a richness in that. Yeah. When I think about what you just said, Chris, in terms of facilita- of a coached facilitation of a group of people that are peers coming together and not to problem solve, there's, there's a, a creating of a kind of atmosphere of trust and authenticity that's not coming from the coach, but the coach's role is to help cultivate the skill set. And it's interesting that you you mentioned leveraging the skill sets of curiosity and listening. We often think, I know how to be curious and how to listen, you know, but to actually create an atmosphere where, where everybody's focusing those capacities together and creating a kind of holding space where people get to experience that coming from all directions. And I think that's, that starts to get into what, a, what happens inside of a coached peer environment. You know, it reminds me of one of the pre-reads that we send out to participants that are coming into this group and don't know exactly what it's all about. And Andy, I, you were mentioning this before our call. I'd love for you to like share a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks, Chris. One of the books that has been instrumental for us in, in just thinking about our approach to peer groups and our approach to a particular kind of conversation, uh, dialogue in particular with peer groups is this book called Dialogue and the Art of Thinking Together by a gentleman named William Isaacs, who teaches at the Sloan School at MIT. Uh, just a brilliant book that examines the various components of dialogue, how dialogue emerges and works uh, in effective ways with groups of people. And he has this section of the book that we historically have had new participants in circles read um, as as a pre-read. And he's talking about the increasing complexity of challenges that we face, particularly in a a work context um, in the, the age that we're living in. I'll just pick it up here. He says, these are not individual problems. To the extent that we insist on dealing with them alone, I suspect that as individuals, we shall feel more and more pressured and isolated. Many of us in the United States are in the habit of valuing the self-sufficiency of the rugged individual. It's true that the individual does count, and I'm responsible for myself. But the issues human beings now face go beyond solutions that any of us can conjure up. 
we need to make a collective shift as well as an individual one. This means learning to think with others and not merely on our own. And if that doesn't resonate hmm. in the present moment, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure what does. I mean, the you know, we are facing uh, collectively a challenge that is bigger than any one of us as individuals, and we need each other. And Isaacs goes on to offer a really powerful metaphor, and it's the metaphor of emperor penguins, who, uh, when they're facing 50 degrees below zero Fahrenheit temperatures in, in Antarctica, they form uh, circles to retain heat, and they rotate so that no one bird is exposed to the wind for too long. And Isaacs goes on to say this is an apt metaphor for the power of dialogue. How can we deal with the cold and challenging winds of change? I will suggest we might do the same by engaging in dialogue in our organizations and communities to generate the resilience we need. And so it's just a really beautiful and powerful metaphor for the ways that peer groups, intentional peer groups, can be a support for us during times of not not just great change, uh, but right now, just unprecedented uh, circumstances that none of us have lived through before. And it, and it's almost sort of like something from a bad dream. Um, but nevertheless, here we are. And as Dan was saying earlier, while we can't, uh, none of us as individuals can, can change the situation right now, we do have agency. And these groups can help us see where we have agency and see what we can do. And uh, we don't have to do that alone. Yeah. There's a power in coming together and being supported. So when we think about these groups and the peer groups, and we've spoken to this a bit, but what what is the peer group for? Yeah, another good question. It feels like we've started to answer that a little bit. And I think that every individual probably has a, their version of that answer when they come to these circles, like why they are coming coming to them. Mm-hmm. And I think the way that we would answer that question is that what they're really for are for people who are looking for a different way of solving their own problems and challenges, right? Mm. And different compared to what? Compared to perhaps how they've been socialized to learn in school or in work where there is a quote unquote right answer. And in contrast to that, these these peer groups are for people who recognize that there's not a right answer outside of themselves, but there is an inner answer that perhaps they are being called to. And in that calling, it's not just about knowing what to do, but knowing who they are and who they want to be, right? And knowing that the answer to that might not be uh, apparent immediately and going through this process of, really not knowing is the way to get to more of that understanding of who we are and how we want to work and live in this world. No, just to build on that slightly, um, there's a phrase that we've often um, used throughout Reboot uh, to describe the kind of um, the work of self-actualization, but then also the need for community in doing that work. So we often talk about this is work it's individual work that we can't do alone. And that's where I think peer groups can uh, really shine. It's the, the individual work of self-actualization, you know, like what Jerry talks about in his book, the, the art of growing up, uh, the art of understanding our personal histories and the patterns that have been present, some that have served us and many of which uh, have ceased to serve us. That kind of work we have to do individually, and yet we need to do it in community. We need the safety, the support, the mirroring of blind spots, all the things that are provided by a trusted group of peers. And so um, it's not for so that those peers can tell us what to do or solve our problems for us, but to create the conditions that will allow us to discover those things on our own. Yeah. And we've all been uh, fortunate to have facilitated a number of these groups. And Chris, you referenced that 
what is it for is often, it can be answered a little differently for every participant. And I'd just be curious to hear from the three of you. Um, I'm happy to chime in as well, but what are some of the answers to the, that question you've seen for, for participants and how have they used the peer groups and what, what are some stories that you can share to help people kind of put themselves in the position of participant and how it could be helpful for them? You know, one thing that comes to mind that when I frame the coaching journey and the peer coached journey uh, to folks in beginning of a circle, I'll often say, one of the things that we're working on here is creating a space where the experiences that we have at work become the opportunities for growth that we can process in the circle. That in the, in, there's a great advantage to having this combination of a community of people where I can do psychological work and then actually have something to work on. Like, like there's so much that comes at, at you as a leader. You, you want to talk about being exposed and having your, your blind spots you know, pointed out to you and wanting to do something different and not knowing how. So to be able to bring the challenges, that's something I've seen people do is say, I'm, I'm facing this situation. This person is, I just, just had a phone call with somebody um, saying, I want to be able to show up kindly and compassionately with this person. And at the same time, like the task, their, their, their job performance, the mission has to be prioritized. And how do I do both these things? And to be able to drop into a space and say, well, how, how was that handled in my family? <laughs> how was that handled, you know, in the, in my, in my life? How do I work with that within my own um, circumstances? And so to have, a, to have an opportunity to process the, the challenges and the potential growth opportunities that arise in the work environment inside of a container of learning where each, where everybody around is again, trained up to listen and be curious and trust that you've got the answer. You need the space and the time to go deep with it. Maybe to just uh, ground this even further in some, some practical examples, you know, Dan, I'm thinking of the group uh, we've affectionately referred to as the OG reboot circle. Uh, our very first circle that we started um, uh, that is made up of, uh, they're still meeting, Dan still facilitates the group. They're was made up of people who've attended uh, boot camps, um, several different boot camps over the years. And uh, this group still meets together. They've been together for over three years now. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I think about when I think about that group is how four out of five of the longtime participants of that group over the span of about two years um, exited their companies. And each one of those exits was uh different. I mean, some of them were favorable, some of them were, you know, um, maybe not so favorable. And while they had that commonality of being founding CEOs, going through exit processes with their businesses, for each one of them, even the favorable exits, like really tested their mettle as individuals. And there was no playbook. There was no right way. <laughs> um, each of their experiences was unique and different. And there was enough sameness and pureness, as Chris was talking about earlier, for them to really empathize and be there with one another. But then there was also uh, this amazing recognition that, that each person was going through their own journey. And um, what they didn't need was to be lectured to or said, hey, here's how you, you have to do this. But what they needed was space to process mm -hmm. because the growing up invitation that was there for each of them was, was unique. Yeah. And um, so that's just a way that a very practical way that we've seen groups be supportive for folks who are going through uh, both challenging and uh, really exciting times you know, each of those or all of those circumstances provide an opportunity to grow and do yeah. uh, interior work. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that group has been fun to be a part of, to see their, their journey and their growth. Um, we had a conversation this week, even not only are you, you know, held in a way that supports your own growth and your own self-discovery, but you're also, uh, as you, you create these spaces of trust, you get to really be known by your participants, your fellow participants, in a way where perhaps 
you know, things in your blind spots can be reflected to you time and time again. So even this week, um, one of the participants was just sharing how they were feeling around this time. And the group knows this person very well and kind of jokingly refle reflected back to them like, yeah, that's right. You are a wartime CEO. This is kind of what you live for. And, and this participant was able to sort of laugh and realize, oh my gosh, yes, that is, that is kind of what I live for. No wonder I'm feeling so online and ready to go right now because they had come to know this person over the last three or four years in a really intimate way. And I've seen countless examples of where uh, things that we personally can't see are, are so visible to those around us who know us well and who care for us. And peer group can be a space where that can be reflected in a really loving and supportive way, in a way that's supportive of growth as well. I might, I love that story. And I might add to it too, as to the, the question earlier about what brings people to these groups. And, you know, as you all know, we do a, a intake call with everyone to understand what, what is it that they're hoping to get out of these and why are they really coming? And oftentimes people will say, you know, I'm here because I want to develop as a leader. I want to grow. I want to build resilience is one thing I hear a lot. Hmm. And what I, what I always ask them or what I come to find out in asking them questions is the thing that seems to draw them and why they're here in the reboot way or in these peer coaching group way is they're, they understand the connection between their internal patterns of behavior affecting how they show up in their companies and in their lives. And they want to be held in a place where they can really understand and be asked questions and go further into that journey of self-discovery and, and radical self-inquiry, as we say here. Right? Mm. And for an example that, that comes to mind, I'll, there's a, a group that I started with probably three years ago, like one of the first groups I started with when I, when I came onto the Circles team. And one of the members there was a CEO of a company. And I'll never forget like how he reacted to one of his first challenges that he brought to the group, which was a CTO, an engineering leader in his organization that he wasn't sure was the right person for the job, but he was torn up inside about what to do about it, mm -hmm. right? about, should I like, do I need to coach this person? Do I need to have a conversation? Is it someone I need to let go? Like you really didn't have the, the, the tools yet in their journey as a CEO to know what to do in that situation. And it created a environment that eventually led to a, a really unfortunate mistake for that company that was like a, you know, a, a six figure, multiple six figures mistake. Hmm. And his group was there to support him through that, to help him lean into what his gut had kind of known beforehand and make a change in the engineering org that was super painful. And I remember having an offline conversation with this, with the CEO where he was like, I just can't do it. I can't, I can't keep going. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to continue on if it's going to be through this mistake, but he stuck in the saddle and the group was there and thinking about how he's changed over those three years. And now they've made it through that, that mistake. And he's got an executive team that he feels really good about. And the resilience that he's built throughout by kind of working through some, what you might see now as smaller challenges, but building the resilience over time is just really quite astounding. I love that story. I love it. And maybe, maybe before moving on, just to summarize, like, what is a peer group for? It's a space to, to be connected, to be heard, to be loved, to be supported um, by peers and those who can come to know you and know you well. Uh, people who can reflect your blind spots and, and can support you through challenging times and exciting times. And we're, we're stronger together, as the Penguins uh, example shows. In fact, you could say that the penguins are, can't survive those conditions without one another, without being together. And mm -hmm. so these are spaces to be stronger together on our individual work that can't be done alone. And why, why do we think, you know, why release this podcast now? Why release all this information? Why, why do we see peer groups as really important for us all to do right now? 
Well, the obvious answer right now is that we're all experiencing a global catastrophe that in order to deal with it effectively requires um, a form of physical distancing, which means we're, uh, we're actually having to be apart from each other physically in ways that uh, are unnatural to the human experience. And so how much more now do we need to be intentionally coming together? And thankfully, technology can support that. I mean, we, we've, we've seen that the power of, you know, something like video conferencing uh, in supporting uh, peer groups uh, even before this, uh, this catastrophe came upon us. But how much more now um, do we need to be leaning on, on those capabilities and coming together in intentional ways? And it makes me think too of, of there's there's a positive intention and there's a desire to come together and then there's the question of how do we do that really skillfully how do how do we take the when, when we're taking the time and making the commitment and getting people together how do we share what we've learned at Reboot to help people be as effective as that at that as possible you know as we all know the the Reboot formula is practical skills plus radical self-inquiry, plus shared experiences equals enhanced leadership and greater resiliency. Mm -hmm. And that practical skills part, like even Chris, when you were talking about that person was learning like their hard lessons in the, in the workplace and the, what are the skills inside of the participants inside of the circles that helps it so that when you're the one who's being circled, so that when you're the penguin receiving the warmth, that it actually is warmth. And it's not people with good intentions giving you advice or, you know, otherwise trying to problem solve your situation. There's actually a skills involved in being able to stay and ask open and honest questions and stay curious and, and orient somebody towards the answer that they're holding within themselves. Um, that that's a, that's a learned skill. And so it's part of, I think of what makes a, a coached peer group different is that we're actually onboarding these skills. We're, we're teaching them, we're practicing them together. And we have interesting, and I think some cool formats to share about how to even do that, that I'm sure is in the document that's going to go out. Um, but having, having the, a field of people where the, where the skills have been seated and people get to actually practice. So if you're the person who's, circling somebody else you're not passive you're actively practicing the skills that you know are helpful because you've been on the receiving end of it and that that sort of just nourishes the whole conversation mm. yeah and and creates a really safe space where it's okay and actually part of the format to not have the answer mm. and dan to your question i think that's why now is i think we need we all need that more than ever. Yeah. Early, early in my facilitating career, um, I was facilitating a group of investors. Bring the bring forth their challenge, just like every one of us. And there was a moment where we did a check in, which we'll speak to in a minute, where each check in, which was each participant, just sharing a really hard situation in their life. There was partnership struggles. There was marriage struggles. There was business struggles, there was personal health struggles, just things that, that there simply was no solution. And there was a heaviness in the sharing, but there was also this warmth in the connection and the reminder that we're not alone in our humanity. We're not alone in our struggles, in our victories. We're, we're actually part of a, a community. And there was no solutions offered in that, but there was this weight that was lifted just to have a space to turn to and to share and to be heard. And I think that as you all have spoken to, we're in a time now where there are no clear solutions. There might be solutions for our specific challenges in our lives and our businesses, but there aren't solutions that we can contribute to immediately to the challenges we're facing, but we can connect on the, on the struggle and the, the fear and the doubt and the anxiety. Um, and so it's really important to have a space like that. It's, it's our, our shielding from the, the, the cold, the Arctic cold. Mm -hmm. So if we were, you know, if you were to imagine the, uh, somebody sitting there listening to this and saying, okay, I get it. I want to do it. Um, 
you know, I want, I want to create a group for my peers, or I want to create a group for my team. I want to create a group for my family or my community. How can we support them in getting started? I know we're going to be releasing documentation, but what could we offer them now? Yeah. So I think the, the first thing that I would offer is that it, all, all it takes is a Zoom account or some other virtual platform for meeting with people. And you can create a place where people can come together and support each other. And there's some other ingredients that are important to, to bring to that gathering, but it really doesn't take much, as I'm sure we've all realized uh, in this time, is the, the power of the virtual connection and how it can create a place for us to come together as humans. So kind of after you've gotten that Zoom set up, then it might be helpful to name that we're all coming together in alignment or service of supporting each other, right? And the way that we at Reboot think about that is we, we meet uh, every other, other week or twice a month for these virtual sessions in which we, we hold these circles. And so when you're coming together and creating a session, there are some things that are really important that help create the space for this work to happen. And the first thing is a proper check-in. We use a format called red, yellow, green. And it's a stoplight metaphor where we invite the people, the participants to check in uh, either as a color or a combination of colors, right? So green is I'm feeling very resourced, I'm fully online all the way to red, which is I'm really triggered and perhaps need some support. And the check-in does a few things. One, it allows us to switch context from whatever we were doing before to fully arrive into what we're doing now, right? So it gives our, our systems, our human operating systems, a, a moment to catch up. It also helps us to kind of name the feelings and emotions and thoughts that are happening internally, to name them externally so that we can put them out there, right? Another really helpful consequence of doing that for other people in the group is that Number one, we know how everyone else is doing and what they're bringing into the room, right, or into the virtual room. And for the parts of ourselves that are perhaps tracking others, uh, you might kind of think of a, a meeting with your boss, for instance, right, where you come into a room and start to notice that uh, the boss might be nervous or moving quickly or uh, not as settled as you're used to them. Well, our brain tends to make meaning of that movement or that behavior of others. And the meaning is not always favorable for us, right? We can make it about us, like something that we did or didn't do. And this is happening all under the surface. We're not even aware that this is happening, but we might, what we might be aware of is that we're feeling a little bit more anxious. And so that check-in both for ourselves and hearing from others, helps that meaning making part of our brain calm down, right? So that we know it's not just about us or it's not about us. The one thing I'd say is just, um, you know, the, the idea is you, you get to hear everybody's voice uh, for a brief moment at the beginning of the meeting uh, before you move on. And so it's a little bit of a ritual a ritualized beginning that can sort of help you uh, denote this is a different way of being with each other. And we're going to let everybody speak, name where they are. It doesn't have to be long, but we've heard everyone's voice. And then we'll move on to uh, whatever, we, whatever else we have on the agenda for that session today. So think of it as an opening ritual that can really set the, set the tone for that. And and in terms of that tone, I think that, Dan, you mentioned this, I, this experience of a non-transactional kind of space. I think it was, I was on a call recently with somebody who was exploring whether a circle was right for them. This is a person who's an investor and has led several companies and said he, when, he, when he stopped to think about it, the last time that he hung out with people and just spent time in a way that they weren't trying to get something from him, whether in terms of what he was putting out or, or investing in was college. Like they, like he actually just wanted to be in a space where it was not fundamentally transactional. And mm -hmm. I think the red, yellow, green mm -hmm. does that really well too. Yeah. And, and we're, 
in the community that we're working with, it's generally, they're very oriented towards problem solving. Hmm. And so even just the red, yellow, green is the, the, the transition from problem solving mode to just listening mode. Cause you, you're not there to turn somebody who's red to green. It's not the goal. The goal is for each of you to check in with where you are and for others to know where you are and to know that you're together in that. So, so we do the check-in, Chris, and then what? Yeah, and uh, what we've all been talking about leads really nicely into the second part that's really important, which is what we call creating the container. And if you think about a container, and the example I always use is a glass of water, right? Where the glass is the container and the water is the content. And depending on how big that glass is and what materiality is, that will determine, those characteristics will determine what can be held and how the content will change and shift, right, when it's in the, in the container. In these groups, what the container is a little bit more of a translation is it's the expected norms and behaviors of how we act together, right? And so, Carl, when you were just saying it's not transactional, right, that starts to create a little bit of the, the container, because we know that we're not here to get something or solve something from somebody else. And we have found it really useful to, to name what those behaviors are at the beginning of uh, an engagement or a session, because it lets people set their own expectations of what is appropriate behavior and what might be outside of the bounds. For them to feel really safe in showing up and being held and not having their, their, their problems solved or fixed. And also for the ones that are supporting to know when they might get outside of the bounds of the container, right? And to have a diagnostic to come back to center and wonder, hmm, I think maybe I'm trying to solve this problem rather than getting really curious and listening, which is one of the guidelines that sets the container for our reboot circles, really listening to the essence and the core of what this human being in front of me is sharing. This can be challenging, I guess, virtually, but to set the container, to recognize that we are now moving into this work. So you may often in these circles calls them, Carl, we just came through one. Everyone is coming on, they join the call and it's, it's, it can be playful or whatever might be there, just sort of reconnecting. But then it's important to, to have a clear delineation. We are now beginning. We are now entering this work together. We're going to start it with a check-in or whatever you may start it with. Uh, it's important to have that clear marker so we know that we're now orienting around this way of being together. So you, you do the check-in in the container, and then um, what is brought into the container? Yeah, and then, and then the, the perhaps last or maybe most important part is the ability to bring forth a challenge to the group, right? And challenge makes it sound like it, it's um, maybe something that is is anxiety producing or or wrong or or not okay but it doesn't just have to be that sort of challenge it might just be an issue that you're dealing with or something that has been on your mind that um, hasn't been able to to move through you or been or hasn't been processed right and setting the expectations that we're here to bring forth what's going on for us as a challenge creates the conditions for that inner work to happen Right. And when set against the backdrop of uh, a container that has some some boundaries of how we know how to engage and, and behave creates a really safe space where we know that we can just show up right, and that we'll be supported. So it's a really potent combination to have check ins, the container that let people know how they can engage and then the opportunity to bring forth a challenge. Thank you for that, Chris. And and I just would add that to to close the container, it's also helpful to have a clear um, or helpful ending, I guess, to acknowledge that we're now returning to our work and our lives. Um, and we've done it a number of different ways. I, I know that my personal preference is to just ask people to, to do a one word checkout in terms of where they are. But I don't know, would there be others that you you all would share in terms of what you've seen be helpful just to mark the end of this space and now our return to our work and our lives. 
Yeah, a couple things that uh, that I've used before. Uh, one is to just ask people, particularly if there's been a discussion uh, where we've held space for one person to work through a challenge, like what Chris was describing, you might ask people to consider their own work, their own lives, and name uh, something that they're taking away from the discussion that's relevant to, to them. Uh, so it's almost like, you know, what's what's a, a you know, a top, top takeaway for you? Um, the, another is to ask people to share uh, gratitude checkouts. So, you know, what's one thing you're um, grateful for from our discussion today? And um, closing with gratitude can just be a wonderful way to leave people in a very resourced place. Because um, when we are disciplined to name what we're grateful for, we are calling attention to what we have as opposed to what we don't have. We're looking at, um, uh, you know, we're actually paying attention to our own agency and, um, uh, and, resor and uh, re resourcedness. So those would be two other options. Yeah, thank you. I love I love the gratitude checkout to your point because it's um, sometimes we don't even give ourselves the space to just appreciate what's here and what we're experiencing or who we have in our lives. So just really nice to have that reminder. So before we wrap um, and, and keep in mind, we will be releasing a lot of uh, more information that will be supportive of anyone who might want to create their own groups. Um, but just wanted to ask you all, is there anything else that you might say, either words of encouragement or um, words of wisdom for someone who might be sitting there thinking, okay, I think I want to do this in my company or my community? Anything you might offer them? Yeah, I would say um, lean into the difference between um, going out and finding people that you think would be fits and instead uh, shifting to a stance of an offering, right? An offering of what might be created or what you're thinking about creating for your company or for your friends or acquaintances or network. And then let the, those that find the, uh, the pull, the calling to that type of work be the juice, be the momentum that gets it going. I might share something um, maybe more specific to the facilitator role once things are going. And that is that the, the balance between being supportive and having this be a place that people can come and feel that respite from the winds and yet also maintain an element of challenge. Cause there's, I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't want to just come into an environment where they were only being met and supported and encouraged. But they would also want to be challenged. They wanted, they would want to be, help to see a blind spot and so to recognize that when when we bring the skills on board such that we're actually asking open and honest questions and so forth that there's we're creating the conditions to be able to challenge helpfully and not confrontationally but that when you actually challenge somebody to look for example with an open and honest question like um what are other people saying that you're not seeing in this situation and that's, I mean, properly timed and in context, for example, that could be a challenging question, but you don't know the answer to it already. And it might be exactly the moment that someone needs in a safe space to actually look for the first time. So to be challenging is supportive and to be supportive is challenging. Those are great. I, I think the thing I'd add is um, just do it. If you feel like you want to start something and bring together a group of people and host a, a peer group, uh, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Um, don't worry about doing it wrong. Just put the call out there. I mean, my what I've seen recently is that people are craving connection. And um, so just do it. Put the call out. See who might respond and get started. Yeah, I would just say don't underestimate the the power and importance of of deeply listening and being heard. I've been continually blown away by the magic that occurs when somebody is really being heard and someone is really listening. Everyone, everyone grows and everyone connects more deeply. Um, as I started at the beginning of this conversation, 
I survived a really hard time in my life with the support of peers, peers that I never anticipated being there to support in that way, but they were. And this is a really hard time and it's really important to be with one another. So my encouragement to Andy's point would be just go do it and know that we're releasing more information and we are here to support you however we can in this process. So please, please reach out to us. But I also want to thank the three of you for coming on to this conversation and sharing your wisdom and your genius with the world and, and doing the work that you do. I'm really grateful for that. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for bringing us together, Dan. Thank you, Dan. If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcast to listen to all five seasons of our podcast conversations. And leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. How long till my soul gets it right? mean to build organizations of belonging? How can you build an organization safe enough for the whole human to show up at work? In Reboot's newest email course, we discover the hidden power and privilege that can pervade an organization and consider what is needed beyond the HR trends and into matters of the heart to create and sustain real places of belonging for all employees. Compiled and created by the Reboot team of coaches and facilitators, this course is a conversation around the question, how can you contribute to creating an inclusive culture of belonging? The course will unfold via a series of six emails full of content, one email per day over six days. And we hope by the end of the course, you have a sense on how you can relate to belonging to yourself, how you create belonging in your communities, work, home, and life. To learn more and to sign up for free, head to reboot.io slash inclusivity.